Hi everyone, welcome back to the channel and today today I'm today I'm joined by my good friend Gio and we're here to talk about not only the Misfits event from last weekend, but also Francis and Ghanu signing with the PFA with the PFL. So how are you doing today? Gio I'm doing pretty good, Anthony. Good to be back on. I'm on a bit of a come down. We've, you know, we've had the a lot going on last week. I tried to go to a lot of the Misfits events, uh, like the fight week events, live, like the press conference, the weigh-ins, things like that. Uh, so a lot of excitement. So now I just feel like I'm a, a little bit of a come down right now. So it's good to uh, jump on here and have a bit of a chat, you know? It's always a pleasure to have you on, mate. So first of all, I want to speak out the live Misfits experience. So why do you like... Why, why do you like watching um, a Miss Richard's live in comparison to watching it under the to watching it on his own? So there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, I like to uh, meet the guys, you know. Uh, in the previous job I used to do, I used to see the guys, uh, a lot of the YouTube guys quite often. Because the thing is, obviously, like... Um, other people when they they have office jobs or they go in they have they can socialize with people all the time for me the only time i really get to actually go in person and socialize with people in my field which is youtube is going to these events uh, and obviously you know we both love combat sports we both love fighting we love following the youtube stuff so for me it's an opportunity to just be able to go and socialize and meet people there really uh, and i don't know if you know who b dave is but he's someone that i made friends with very good friends with i spent a lot of time with whilst i was there um and yeah, I just like watching it live, the excitement, hearing the crowd, um, being able to watch the fights close in person. Like uh, I was very fortunate uh, and very lucky uh, for Misfits to sort me out with uh, ringside seats. Literally, they had like a seat with my name on it. So it was uh, really, uh, it was amazing. And I just love being able to be there watching it live. So yeah. I, 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 saw, I, I saw on your Twitter feed, you were sitting with, you were sitting with, Somebody that we know quite well, Fred taught fight, Fred taught fight, fighting. It's like that is interesting. That is yeah, interesting. Fred's a really nice guy. He is, he is one of the most hardworking, probably the most hardworking people I've ever met in YouTube. Like the guy only just turned 19. At these events, he's not stopping to enjoy socializing with anyone. He's darting about, getting interviews, uploading interviews, uh, watching the fights, tweeting. The guy doesn't stop. He is has that, something in his brain which is just on go all the time. From is, the minute the fights start, from even before that, when people are doing the ring walks and people are getting ready all fight week to the the minute it, the minute it ends, so hard working. He goes he goes to pretty much all of them, doesn't he? He goes to a large majority of them. Yeah, he does, and and it's great because he he produces some of the best interviews in my opinion. He's got a very good talent for interviewing, similar to yourself, you know. He, he knows the the right questions to get the best answers. Uh, so that's why I'm sure all the interviews that you've watched or most of the interviews that you've watched when it comes to the influencer boxing stuff have probably been Fred's interviews, you know? Yeah, I, and I just want to say this. I, I didn't watch Fred. I didn't watch Fred until he contacted me and said, he put the, he put the gun to work. Oh, cool. Yeah, he came out of the woodworks. Like for me, like the first time I heard of Fred was a few years ago. Uh, no, no, sorry, a year ago when he messaged me and said, "Would you like to do an interview?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then he was trying to get the True Geordie interview. So he's, you know, he's not he's not afraid to to try and you know get his way to get interviews and stuff. I appreciate that for him. You know, what I mean, because if you don't ask, you don't get. And he eventually managed to get it. I think he did a few mm -hmm. interviews with Brian actually. So he's just I... a hardworking guy. I've got a lot of time for Fred. I'm I'm slight. I'm slightly, I'm slightly jealous because he's only nineteen and I'm twenty-seven, and he's probably already achieved more than more than I achieved. No, no, definitely not. Like, listen, we're all still young. That's the thing, you know. You, me, Fred, we're all less than thirty years old. We've still got so much time. We're so much, so many more guests you guys can get. You know, you've only just basically scraped the barrel of who you could, who you could get. You know, you've only just started. And and. Not to make not to make this about Fred, but I do wonder whether whether eventually will move on to the to like the pro to like the pro side of it because I think it could to the pro side of it. I let I let at the moment he predominantly covers influencer boxing, but I think eventually 
you could do the pro side if you want if you wanted to. Well, he's a very talented interviewer, and I feel like he obviously still young, he's still 19. What does the Fred Talks Fighting channel look like when he's 25, you know? Like by then, how big will the, the influencer boxing scene be? If it is really big, he'll be one of the veterans of the space, almost like the Ariel Helwani, maybe, of, of crossover boxing. But let's not forget, like, there is so much crossover in between, if you're pardon the pun, between like the mainstream, like the zone and things like that. So although he is in the influencer boxing scene and is sort of the main interviewer in that area, he's still meeting the likes of like Calais and all these other people who work at the zone. Um, so I'm sure that he'll eventually, you know, move on and do the, the the pro events too. But if I'm right in thinking, he has gone to some of the pro the pro fights and he's interviewed like Tyson Fury and people like that. So he's already sort of starting that a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I do I said it, it's it's slowly becoming one of the best people in one of the best people in the scene. I personally think it's better, it's better, than, it's better than. Some of the bigger channels in the pro scene, like I personally think he's better than IFL and some of them platforms, to be honest. And you know why? I feel because I agree. And I feel like with the influence of boxing, because he lives and breathes it, he's constantly present on social media. He's constantly breaking the news, finding out the news. He'll travel and speak to coaches and speak to like medic staff and, and anyone he can to try and get as much information so that he has, you know, the ultimate knowledge and asks the best questions when he sits and speaks to these guys. Do you know what I mean? Because a lot of these other interviewers like the IFLs or whoever, you know, um, they'll go to these events and they'll ask questions, but they'll usually just be sort of the, the top of the line questions, you know, the, how do you feel after your fight, et cetera, et cetera. Who do you yeah. want next? You won't really go into it and have the knowledge that Fred has. And I, and I feel like sometimes when you're, when you're interviewing, no matter who you are, whether you're, whether you're IFL or anybody else. Because I, I don't want it to come across like I'm taking shots. But the point is, sometimes when you have a big platform like that, you can you can get you can get so wrapped up in creating the best content that you have. Basically, you can ask some of the most debated questions. And I feel like with Fred, he really asked. Some insightful questions, as well as some of the what you would call clickbait stuff. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's definitely got a natural talent for asking sort of the best questions and insightful questions, as you said. Yeah, because I've done quite a few interviews this week. I've done a few interviews this week, and some of them are good. But the thing is, like, people like you, people like Fred, are really good at getting the best out of out of it, of the guests, you know, and ask the right questions. So. Because I got, as I say, like a lot of these interviews will just go, all right, who who would you fight or who would you? And I, you know what I mean? It's all it's all fine, but um, there's people that have a good talent for it, and I feel like you and Fred are on the same sort of thing with that. I, I, the, the, the one thing the one thing that did make me laugh, yeah, is when it's when it's when you mentioned the equi- what is the Ecuadorian tag team? Oh no, the Colombian tag team, me and uh, Young Dave. Uh, Sorry, the Colombian tag team. And I don't know, I can't remember what we saw, what we saw, what we, what we tweeted. You're, you're hard. I know, I know. <laughs> That's like, all these people want to know. What would you fight? Would you fight? And like, I kind of don't want to just be boring because you know, we've spoken about this before. Like, I have no real interest in doing it. Like, I don't need to do it. I've never sparred before. So it's like, oh, would you like to go and play golf professionally? And it's like, well, I've never played golf before in my life. So why would I? You know what I mean? And then obviously I want to give them something. So I'll go, oh, I'll do a, a tag team, me and uh, young Dave, who's this who's this rapper, and we'll do a Colombian tag team because we're both co- of Colombian heritage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then yeah, then you you tweet me out saying you're hard. I appreciate it, bro. I'm not I'm not uh, the guy that's gonna get in there and spar people, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm gonna do a fight. <laughs> Maybe I'm not I'm never saying never, but I may go in there, I may enjoy it. And and it could happen down the line. I'm not. What I'm basically saying there is, there's. It's not impossible, but it's very, very unlikely. It would, it would, it would make me laughing. To be honest, I'd be calling you out though. You realize that? <laughs> yeah, it would be. In all seriousness, it would be interesting, and it probably would make me laugh just because, I, just because I know, I know you, and I know. How hard you work, you what you do nice. I, I can't imagine this guy you would try and get yourself into. I know, I know. 
to be fair, I'd probably have to fight at like one one twenty five or something like that. Like I want to be really lean and really quick, but I don't know. You know, I mean, you make a good point. Like I'm working, doing editing and things like that. Like I'm in my own lane. I don't need to jump over and fight, but you never know. You never know. I'd want you to commentate. Would you be up for commentating that? That would be uh, the only thing I'd put in the contract. I'd say I'd fight as long as Anthony can commentate it. I, I, you and Wade. Yeah, I. To be honest with you, I've only I've only considered commentating it the way the way that I speak. Yeah, I feel I feel like I feel like that would not be the best idea because of my speech pattern and stuff. I don't know. You know, I think it's something that you know. Obviously, people can understand you, so. It's the same sort of thing. I mean, you've got good analysis. You've got good takes. I don't know. I don't think it's like completely off the table. I'm not, obviously not taking shots, but some of the some of the some of the commentary that they have, but some of the fights on this switch, I I definitely think I could do that. I I agree. And in Ghana, joining PFL, I'll be one of it according to Emil Wally. It sounds like a really good deal, a really good deal for Francis. Mm-hmm. So according to Ariel, he's still going to be able to do his boxing if he wants to do that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big part of you. It's going to be a big part of the PFL, Africa adventure. I mean, that is really exciting. I didn't actually know about that. The the P- So is that an event that's happening in Africa with the PFL? Yeah, well, according to Ariel, Ariel, yeah. I mean, that's something the UFC should have done, uh, like they said they were going to do back when, obviously, Izzy still has his belt, but when they had the three kings, when they had Izzy, Usman, and Ngannou, yeah. that would have been perfect to do at the time. And obviously, yeah. now the PFL are basically just going to do it first now. Um, so if if it's right, if if obviously I'm getting a lot of this information from you, but like, so if if he's able to do his boxing and also fighting the PFL, that means he's probably going to be quite inconsistent in the in the PFL, no? Yeah, I would imagine so. Cause I, I would, I would assume it's my, it's my, it's main focus will obviously be boxing, because we've all due respect to people, we've all due respect to the fights in the PFL. I, I can't imagine there'll be there'll be much hype for most of his fights in the PFL. Most of his hype for his fights, at least will come from the boxing side, I would imagine. Exactly. And that's the tricky thing for Ngannou now because when he's having these boxing fights, he can't really go and fight like, you know, sort of like BC level fights. The people that I'm seeing him being sort of matched up with are the likes of Anthony Anthony Joshua. Uh, I almost said Anthony Taylor then. Uh, uh, Anthony <laughs> Joshua, Deontay Wilder. It's been a long Misfits week. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, like they're putting it, they, they, they want to put him in there against former and current champions, you know? Um, and that's the, the, these are the big money fights that Saudi will pay all this money for, whoever pay all this money for. Um, so, like, if he goes and he gets, like, knocked out by Wilder, for instance, then he'll have no choice, but basically you have to just, you know, go back to, what does he do? Does he continue doing boxing fights after that? Like, he, he needs to get into boxing fights that he can win. And and when they're putting him up, up, up against actual professional boxers, actual champion boxers like Joshua, like uh, Fury, then it's going to be a tricky one for him. But then again, who then who, what, who's his boxing debut going to be against? Because I'm hearing all this talk about Tyson Fury, um, but like, what other names are there that he could fight? Like th- that he has a good chance of winning because he doesn't beat Fury. You know what I mean? Derek not a boxer much. Derek Jazora, because Derek Jazora would do it, would do anything if you pay him enough money. So I think I think it will be Derek Chisora, to be honest. I think that would be a good fight for him. But even still, Derek Chisora, although his age... I actually met Derek Chisora the other day. The guy is huge. I fist bumped him. He had one of the biggest fists I've ever seen in my life. But he, uh, that would be probably a, a good like opening fight for him. But also yeah. in the PFL, like I don't know how uh, deep uh, the, the heavyweight division is in the PFL. But for me, uh, I don't follow it as much as I probably should do. I'm sure that you follow it more than I do. But... I don't really see if there's any competition for Ngannou there. And I feel like maybe that like, they have him there as a champion or whatever. And he just blasts through these guys because the, the likes of like Garn, the likes of Jones, the likes of, um, you know, these uh, Aspinall, these these top, top elite level heavyweights. They, they go to the PFL. No way. Exactly. They're all in the UFC. And, and then they don't have that same sort of talent in the PFL. Although, you know, I'm assuming... The, 
the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say, if you look at that, if you look at their roster, it is, it is quite crap in comparison to in comparison to other promotions. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, respect to everybody that gets into the cage or the ring, whatever they do. But I have to be, I have to be honest. I don't think there's any real big matchups that I would like to see on the personal level. Hello, exactly. And I also, I don't mean to cut you off, but I also no wonder worries. are the PFL going to get their investment back in terms of pay per view buys? I doubt it. And I heard in UFC numbers, he did 300k to like 500 k And the PFL are not, not doing, won't do them sort of, no, them sort of numbers. Exactly. And obviously it's under a subscription model too, isn't it? With the zone. So that, that limits it also to another level. They'll do a zone pay-per-view maybe, but that's also a tricky thing. And and, and you're right. Like um, within boxing at the same time, like they're probably paid a F ton of money. Like they're probably paid even more than the UFC to having Garni there for the inconsistency and if he goes and fights one of these boxing guys and gets knocked out his stock level drops and he's and then and then you know what i mean this, he's still you know demanded this sort of money and it's like it's tough i i i can't name a single other pfl heavyweight and if you know what i mean like obviously i, I don't really watch the pfl but like it's like you, you're right oh. like what hype is going to be there for ingani versus whoever it is who's whoever the current pfl champion is like you know I, what I mean, I, tr- I try to keep up with it as much as I can do, but I've only, I've only got certain, certain like, like, obviously, I've only got 24 hours in the day, and I also, yeah. and I also have a life exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard for me enough to, to to keep up with the UFC. I'm flying out to Canada in a few weeks to go watch that card. I don't even like know, I can't even name the full main card. You know what I mean? So it's it's a weird one for Ingani because I don't think the consistency is going to be there. I feel like obviously the PFL must have a lot of money to be able to sign him. But at the same time, you know, we, we posed the question earlier, will they get their return from him? I don't know if they will, you know? I feel like if he's going to go off and do boxing, maybe you should just focus on doing the boxing and not be have this big deal with PFL. But for whatever reason, they see the value in, in, in paying him the amount of money they are. What they really need for him is a boogeyman. They need somebody to challenge him in the PFL, like a top, top level heavyweight. Now, I'll admit, I don't know that much about the PFL. As I said before, I can't name another single, a single other heavyweight. So I don't know if that person exists. But based on the talent that I've seen so far in PFL, I don't think they exist. A quick, a quick, a quick, a quick, I'm just going to put it out there into the PFL fan watching this. And you know a lot about the PFL. I would love to have you on the channel to, to tell me about, about the heavyweights and whether there's anybody that's realistically going to be a challenge for Ngannou. Yeah, because that, like, Ngannou starched top, top level heavyweights in the UFC. Stipe Miocic knocked him out cold. Rosenstrike knocked him out cold. Overeem knocked him out cold. Went five rounds and beat Garn. You know what I mean? Like, he's beating the top, top level in the UFC, and that is the ultimate fighters. They are the top, top level, the best of the best in the sport. And I don't know. Like, obviously, it'd be great for someone to come on the, on your pod and, and, and speak about this a bit more, but there's no names. There's no big viral names that are coming out of the PFL and the heavyweight division. Now, that might be because it's just brand new. You know, and it's only just getting it started, and maybe the Ngarni is like the first sort of one to come over, and then all of a sudden we're going to see all these. You know, that that actually might put a rocket up these other the heavyweights to go and try and make a name for themselves. Because if any of these guys, could you imagine Ngarni? What I'd actually do Ngarni some good is probably getting beaten in the PFL because then he's got somebody that he can have the rematch with, and then that would drive excitement. You know? Yeah. Oh, ultimately, I just want, I just want, I just want another. Promotion to at least rival the UFC globally, so it's so, so we can so we can have a bit of competition like we did back in the day with the UFC and Pride. I don't know if that will happen. I think the UFC have gone clear now. I feel like with the talent they've got, with the, the rising stars that they've got, I'm not too sure if PFL is going to be able to cut to 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 be able to to meet that. Um, like yeah, I can't see the PFL doing that. I can't we- see Bellator doing that. Like yeah. 
realistically, probably not that that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be cool because then that would like you know encourage Dana to uh, to make the, the smart moves. I feel like the only way it could happen is if Dana focuses too much on this power slap thing because if anything harms the stock of the UFC even slightly, in my opinion, it's the power slap stuff. The more I call it, the more the more the more league. <laughs> the moron to, league because <laughs> you have to be a moron to let to allow somebody to slap you in the face with, I literally slap you in the face without, without actually trying to defend yourself I can't watch it I, I honestly can't watch it it's something I'll never get involved with we, we will never be on this podcast speaking about um, Tower Slap I just can't watch it and if you, I hate it if you did I'll kick you off yeah, exactly. I know. If I came out, I was like, right, we're going to speak about Power Slap 3. Did you see Big Bertie slap out whoever it was? No, it's just horrible. I just wince when I watch it. The fact they can't defend themselves, the fact that, you know, it can cause serious, serious injuries that could like, lead to life-threatening conditions, and it's like, nah, not I, not for me. I You're right, more on league is what it is. I didn't really like, I didn't really like the bare knuckle thing, to be honest. I gave it a try, but I just didn't like it. I just, I just, I just felt it was I just felt it wasn't that exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's like a happy medium for me between uh, the UFC and the power slap stuff. Like, uh, I don't mind it. I did think the Luke Rockhold versus, um, oh, you can have to remind me, Mike Perry fight Mike was, Perry, was yeah. decent. And I think it would be exciting to see it. If Conor McGregor went and had a, a bare knuckle fight, I think everyone would tune into that. Um, I, ha- I I enjoy it. Sorry, I enjoy Lady Alvarez. Chris Mill- I think it was Chris. Melendez fight, but that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's exciting fights. There's some exciting fights. I've not watched it live. I've only rewatched them. But the UFC just have, it's just like an, it's an art form. It's something that you'd wake up to watch. You know what I mean? Specifically to watch live. I ain't waking up to watch no power slap. I ain't waking up to watch no bare knuckle fighting. And maybe that's just me, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the UFC just have, are so clear right now and they have all the advantages, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Khabib? Yeah, do you think I I sent you my video because I've already done the video on Lingon and joining the PFL. I sent mm-hmm. you my video. I think Khabib's the bigger draw than Lingonu, to be honest. And that just because of the collar effect. Yeah, uh without a doubt. I mean, obviously it might be different now because it's been a few years since he's retired. So we'd have to like, you know, if Khabib ever did come back, which is very unlikely, borderline impossible. Um, then we'd obviously see the numbers. But like, for instance, remember when Charles Oliveira was like beating Gaethje, beating everyone, and then there was the talks of, okay, maybe Khabib will come out of retirement and we'll yeah. see who the best lightweight ever is. I think those numbers would rival any Ngani fight, like Oliveira versus uh, Khabib. So in that case, you're definitely right. Um, but now, because Makachev's got the title, it's a tricky situation for Khabib because say if Khabib came back, what's the biggest fight for him? Like he wouldn't fight Islam. Uh, and would he go to one seventy and fight and fight um Leon? I, don't, I doubt it. I don't. I don't think he's got the motivation to. To be honest, exactly, he's done. He's done. But I agree. Like he's he definitely when he was fighting. If you if obviously it's like different times, but a few years ago when Khabib um beat Gaethje, his stock at that level is definitely a bigger pay per view draw than in Garnu in was at his peak, which is probably when he beat um. When he left the UFC, when he beat Gone, I I said I said the PFL, the PFL needed somebody like Israel Adesanya, and he, and he, and even then I don't I don't think they could get on the same level same level as the UFC, but I do I definitely think that that would be better for them because at least at least Izzy has has probability with all due respect and Gone. He isn't. And also, one big thing that goes in the favour of Adesanya is he's more consistent. In Garnu, for the last few years, only fought once. Do you know what I mean? So it's difficult to build hype around somebody that you only remind you're only reminded of their existence once a year. Do you know what I mean? And, and he's obviously not, he's not I don't think he was even that active on social media too. Like he wasn't like, you know, constantly posting on like Twitter and Instagram. Whereas Izzy, although he's not fighting all the time, he's constantly reminding you of his existence because he's doing like his YouTube channel and things like that. He's really involved in the social sphere right now. So whenever Izzy's fights, everyone's like, it's an Izzy fight. We've got to be up. We've got to be excited and, for it. Whereas he, with Garnet, it wasn't the same. And he, and he, and he, and he, he, 
and whether you agree with what he says or not, he's always he's always in the media, he's always talking about that stuff. As I said, whether you agree with him or not, even even if you don't, he's always talking about that stuff. So he's always get he's always getting his lay out there. And obviously yeah. and obviously he's really big he's a really big anime fan. So obviously that that attracts the anime audience. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there wasn't that much like really that you could relate to with Inganu. Like, I met Inganu. He's a really, really nice guy. Um, but as and also met Izzy, also a really nice guy. However, I agree. Like, there was just there's just more relatable factors with Izzy, and uh, he, he he can cut a promo well. Like, for instance, yeah, if Izzy went over to the PFL, I feel like that would that would scare the UFC or like somebody like Izzy of the same sort of like star level. But in Ghana, like being inconsistent, the last time he fought, am I right in thinking it's like been over a year since he last fought MMA? Yeah. Was it January 2022 that he last fought? I think I think it was because he had he had an injury, didn't he? Going in, going into that fight, and people thought that was just that was just gonna be a case of he not he not that gone, and then that will be he actually wrestled gone. So I think it has been a year, yeah. 2022 times so now we're in may 2023 so it's like like the pfl the ufc have gone done completely fine in that time they've built new stars in that time in the likes of like paddy the baddie for instance and, and even sugar show and o'malley's like stock has gone up so much since then the ufc aren't that bothered i don't feel like that the, the fact that pfl now have in Garnu, it's not, not something that's going to really rival them. They may be able to like his first fight will be exciting. Like people will be excited to watch that. I think everyone will tune in for that first fight, or at least you know the the, the casual UFC fan will tune in, um, the hardcore UFC fan. But you know it's not going to be a big big spectacle. And you obviously mean, his future will be inconsistent in the PFL if he's boxing at the same time. You really think? You really think they will, mate? Because the the MMA the MMA hard. The MMA fans are really loyal. Like, I can't imagine any UFC fans going over to the PFL because the way the UFC presenting, and in some cases they are right. That is the minor league to an extent. And I agree, but then obviously you've got a big name like uh, Ngannou is the first big UFC star because ultimately he's not a, he wasn't a massive massive draw. However, he was a big star in the UFC. So when he goes and fights his first fight in the PFL, although I agree with you, the UFC fans are very loyal. They'll probably buy whatever subscription they need to buy to go and watch the PFL debut of Francis Ngannou. But will they stick around after that? I don't know. It, I don't it, think so. Even if they hate, even if they hate watching it, then they're not watching it somehow, aren't they? Exactly, exactly. The likelihood is I'll be watching it for when it, whenever it is. I, 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 you may know this, but has he got a fight scheduled? Is there a date or no? Is it just it's been announced that he's but, he's there? It's not. There's no actual date signed from what from what Ariel said. He's probably looking at the end. He's probably looking like the year times. But yeah, but again, that's not, that's only what Ariel said. I have that. I have that. I, I have actually read the proper statement. From the PFL or Engano, I'm literally going off what Ariel what Ariel said. So obviously you can believe, you can believe what you want. Ariel's not the most consistent person in the world, is he? No, of course, of course, of course. But yeah, my prediction is is if he gets a big rivalry going with some some of the one of these big names in the PFL, like if there is a very talented PFL heavyweight that is able to really challenge Ngarnu and potentially even give him a loss, I think that would be huge for him. And I think that's when people will really go, oh wow, there's some contention here now for Ngarnu in there. But if he just starches one guy a year like he did in the UFC at the PFL, less eyes, he may be getting more money, so it's a big cash grab for him. But I think more people are going to tune into his boxing matches versus the likes of Fury and um who else? Um, Wilder and Joshua, then they will be watching the PFL. I, I, I even think Andy Lewis Junior beats him. To be honest, I really don't think I really don't think he's that good of a boxer. Like he's good, he's good in MMA terms, and obviously he does have, he does have power, but in terms of his technical ability, I, I really don't think he's that good. I, 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 I don't really rate him as a boxer. I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, the thing is with Ngarni, like, I, I don't think he beats Wilder. I don't think he beats Joshua. He definitely doesn't beat Fury. And I, the thing is, he's, a, he's an MMA fighter. He, he's one of the hardest hitting MMA fighters there are. But one thing they were talking about, which would be very interesting, and I think that would spike a lot of people's interest, is a sort of hybrid fight with Fury, where they fight in, was it four-ounce gloves, boxing rules? Uh, that would be interesting. I don't think it would be. I think Fury will fight his face off, to be, to be honest. <laughs> But four ounce gloves though gives it uh, Ngarnu the 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 power. You know what I mean, the power advantage. But does Ngarnu hit as hard as uh, as Wilder? I don't know. And will he be able to catch Fury? You know. I think Fury will dance around the ring, whatever the fight is. I think he will just move around the ring. And I'm not the biggest Fury fan in the world, but but even I have to admit, he's athleticism for his size is tremendous. But uh, I still think Tyson wouldn't be easy, though. Yeah, no, I agree. And hopefully that fight gets made. Uh, Fury was has meant to be announced in a fight for the past, like, two months. He's still not announced that fight, has he? No, yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I, no, he hasn't. I don't, I don't think Tyson Fury wants easy. Personally, I don't think he wants it. And if he did, it wouldn't have been made by now. Look at it, look at easy in the Derrick Law fight got made. All the Dillian White fight got made when Fury, when Fury knew he could beat them. I know. Even the Wilder fights got made quite easily, you know what I mean? Like, remember the arbitration when he was meant to fight Anthony Joshua and everything was set and then Wilder pulled up the arbitration and then, then they obviously had to go and fight there. Like, those those Wilder fights got made very easily. So I think, I, I think, uh, I think you're right. Like, he, he clearly has some sort of um, apprehension to fight Usyk. And I don't blame him because I feel like Usyk's are definitely probably the most toughest challenge that he's faced in a long time. I <clears> I, I, I think Usyk will make Tyson look slow and all of his aura would would, would obviously dissipate to him that extent. Yeah. But it's weird, though, because I don't know if Tyson Fury is scared of, of Usyk. I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to say that he is because, I, you know, Tyson I, is, is, is a... Yeah, go on, sorry. I didn't say he was scared. I just said he didn't want it. Oh no, I know that. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I don't think that. I don't think he's scared of him. But, but then we, we you know, we got to think about why he wouldn't want it. And it's like, does he think he, does he think he loses? Is he worried about that? Like, I don't know if he is like, worried for his own ability. I feel like if you, you, you know, if you spoke to Fury honestly and, and he was completely honest, I think he'd probably say, no, I could, I could beat you sick. Like, I genuinely think he would believe that. Um, but for whatever reason, the fight is just impossible to get made. And I think that's probably because of whoever it is that does the negotiations for him, because it just seems like when Fury negotiates, it's all through Instagram stories and Twitter and things like that. And just these spanners kept keep getting thrown in the in the works and stuff. So that really that really pisses me off, by the way. I I understand the join the build I but as a fan, it really pisses me off when they did it for Instagram. Because you, you know what you're doing. You get you getting the people all out for a fight that you know probably not gonna happen. And, and if if somebody would if somebody went negotiate with me and they did it for Instagram, I would think they're clearly not they're clearly not serious. Yep. And that's the thing, like what is that's very annoying. Obviously, you're right, it haps everyone up, and then you know it's 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 disappointing. But at the same time, it's all the contradictions that annoy me the most. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, get him on one course. interview going, listen, it's not about the money, I've never cared for money. And then it's the next one saying, Hold on a minute, you want to this fight to be um 80 20? No, I want 85 15, I want 90 10. And it's like, bro, what happened last week? You were saying you didn't care about the money, and now like the fight is this this amazing fight that everyone's excited for is being um, cancelled because you know you can't agree on money. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Like the I guy is just so inconsistent. I don't. I don't. I really don't think he did it on purpose. I think he just says thing to thing from interview. I really don't think. I really don't think he did it religiously. I genuinely don't think he remembers what he says interview to interview. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I remember. I, I was trying to find it uh, a while ago. After he fought Wilder the second time, he said to it on an interview that he'll never fight in the UK again. 
he says, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm a, the biggest prize fighter in the world and I want to fight in the home of fighting, which is Vegas. This is the only place I'll, I'll, I'll keep fighting. He's, he vowed he'll never fight in the UK again. And since, he's fought in the UK twice. So, yeah, I agree. He just makes it up as he goes along. What, what did you think of the KSI forum? Because as soon as I saw the replay, I was like, it could be, it could be no contest. Absolutely. And obviously, KSI did not do it deliberately. I've seen some people say that he did. I find that really stupid, to be honest. But he clearly did not do it on purpose. But still, it could be, it could have been given as no contest. Uh, yeah, so he clearly didn't do it intentionally. Uh, and I think it will be overruled as a no contest. As we know, yesterday, Joe Fournier did submit an appeal, uh, submit yeah. an appeal with the PABA, and the PPA will most likely review that and do what is right in the circumstance and overrule it as a no contest because one, it was unintentional, and two, it happened before the start of the fifth round. So, uh, yeah, he, you know, he threw what was meant to be a short hook. And if it was just a few inches to the right, it probably would have landed as a hook. Would it have had the same effect? It's impossible to know. But the forearm, the forearm clearly landed uh, and clearly was the reason why uh, Joe Fournier went down. But at the same time, the fight was going one way. Joe Fournier has got this sort of like lucky pass where he's had the loss, he's been knocked out, and he can uh, go off and say, you know, yeah, I may have got knocked out, but it was a forearm. The guy cheated. He did whatever illegally, whatever. Uh, do There's people talking about um, you know, wanted to see it again, wanted to see Fournier versus JJ for a second time. I don't think if we need, no. we need to know that anymore. I feel no, like, you know... No, not that, sorry, I don't mean to cut you no off. No worries, always. Not, but not at all. Not for me. Not interested. And you know why? Because these KSI fights and, and any big fight in the influence boxing scene, it relies heavily on the unknown factor. In all honesty, I wasn't that um, excited about the Tyron Woodley-Jake rematch because obviously, um, you know, he was meant to fight Tommy and then, then and then Tommy, whatever happened with Tommy, broke his ribs last minute and then Woodley stepped in. But there was talks after him, Jake fought Woodley the first time that he was meant to fight to do a rematch. And for me, in the crossover boxing scene, once the answer of, can KSI, can Jake Paul beat or win a fight against uh, an MMA champion, against a nine-no pro boxer? Once we know the answer, we don't need to redo it again. And the hype doesn't work in the same way because in all the press conferences and everything that happens, yes, Joe Fournier has the, well, you elbowed me, but the fight was going one way. Joe Fournier didn't have the output. He couldn't meet JJ on any level. We know the answer. And if it happens again, the same outcome will happen again. But let's hope this time he doesn't get hit with an elbow so we don't have to do it a third time. J JJ is meant to fight in August and it needs to be a whole new opponent. We oh. don't need to know. We don't need to see the same thing happen again. Overrule is a no contest. That's completely fine. And it's a fair thing to do, in my opinion. And it most likely will happen. Uh, and then move on to somebody else. You're, you're right there. But let's be honest. Yeah, I, I care, sorry, but I really don't care if it's, if, it, if, it, if it's labelled as a no-contest. But all that, but all that I see, KSI locked out Joe Fournier. So in terms of KSI's perspective, he doesn't... What I'm trying to say, because a lot of KSI fans might not be traditional boxing fans, a lot of them ain't going to care. Well, they got, well, they're not doing that with his arrow or not. In their mind, he just not do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Like these, these technical things, people don't care. People don't forget the first Jake Paul, the first KSI versus Logan fight was a draw. You hardly hear people talking about that, really. Do you know what I mean? So it's like when you have these tricky decisions like no contest and things like that, people just move on. And, and as I say, the influence of boxing scene, people don't care. And it was an elbow. It was clearly uh, an unintentional foul. It will be overruled. But as as you as you pointed out correctly, the KSI fans they saw what they wanted. They saw their hero in KSI getting knockout over a nine and zero boxer. He he proved that he's leveled up, and also he's probably the hardest hitting crossover boxer, uh, in especially in misfits. So uh, it builds hype. It, it you know like JJ stock has JJ stock suffered from from the elbow. I don't think so. No. I, I think he looked great. I think he clearly batted Joe Fournier. He clearly was winning the rounds. He definitely would have knocked him out at some point during the fight. It's just really unfortunate that there had to be the contentious elbow. But ultimately, it's like let's just shoot down these things for a rematch because I don't think people care really. And and you know, that defense, that stupid thing that he does. Where he changes his ankle. 
I don't know. I can't remember what he called it, but he called it a certain a certain move. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think I think if he tries and hear that against Tommy Fury, I think he will leave himself open. To be honest, his defense needs to be a lot better to face Tommy Fury. And let's be honest, Tommy Fury's not a power puncher. He's a volume puncher. So he, so, so I could I could see Kane. So I think I'll be okay with the defense. Oh, I did. Against Joe Fournier, but in my opinion, Tommy Fury is a lot more dangerous, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think without a doubt, and I think uh, they did a good job bringing Tommy Fury into the ring and making that promo. I think that fight probably happens before the Jake Paul fight happens. All, all this year, people have been saying Jake Paul versus KSI is going to happen in December. It's going to happen in 2023. There is absolutely no chance, and I've said this from the start, that it happens this year. A fight of that magnitude where these guys have had this, this storyline, both have got egos, both have got their own promotions, both have got their own managers, to come together and agree on a Wembley Stadium, wherever it is, the likelihood of that happening in 2023 when both of these guys have had fights scheduled and, and obviously JJ just had his, we've got Jake fighting in August. And then now that uh, Jake's off a loss like there's no way it happens this year however tommy fury versus ksi you know it's been a few months since since tommy fury's fight he hasn't got a fight lined up jj needs some time to recover come august or december whenever it is maybe not august maybe a bit too soon i'm not too sure but i think that that could happen this year that could be the next fight for jj do i think jj wins that fight i'm not too sure i think he's Uh, gonna definitely be the underdog in that fight and i think it's gonna be very 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 tough for him i can't count jj out completely i'm not saying he has no chance uh, but he he technically has beaten a pro boxer now in in Joe Fournier. But you know we're talking a 40, 45 year old pro boxer, a forty year old guy who is uh, has a nine and zero record, padded with pretty much nobodies. Whereas okay. Tommy Fury now is proven that he is uh, he's a tough he's a tough tough guy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I think I I personally think guy could better than guy. So I don't think like, if you go I agree. Like, if you're going off that and if you're going off that and that, I think I think I think really like in that case I'm not that Tommy Fury to be honest. Going off that yeah. like No, I agree. I, I feel like to be honest though, uh, although Jake is a, te- a better technical boxer, I would say that JJ hits harder than Jake because the way that he sets up his shots, especially that big overhand right, like I don't know if Jake has a as a as a shot in his arsenal as hard as that. And also because. Because because I because JJ has a unorthodox stance in comparison like traditional boxer. It was obviously it could throw Tommy up and Jake has a more traditional stance. I would say when you when you look at Taylor's stance and Jake's stance. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's the thing. So. Uh... I do hope that fight eventually gets made because the storyline is set up perfectly. I mean, you've got Jake versus uh, Jake who beat uh, Jake's uh, JJ's little brother all way back when. You have, um, obviously, JJ beat Logan. Obviously, now the friends. But the storyline is set. It's been the fight that everyone's wanted since the Joe Weller fight. Let's not forget, like, JJ, the first person who called that was Jake Paul, you know? It's set in stone. And I feel like it's going to happen eventually. And uh, if Jake, if JJ goes and beats uh, and goes and fights Tommy Fury, win or lose, the Jake Paul fight's still huge because if he loses Tommy Fury, then you've got Jake versus uh, JJ, both on a similar level at that point. Um, both of them have been lost to Tommy Fury. Still a big fight. But if imagine if JJ beats Tommy Fury and then goes to fight Jake, that would be like that'd be wild. It, I I I think. I think ultimately KSI is still the A side, even even if you don't rate it, but as a name, it's still the A side. Uh, yeah, I I probably agree with that too. I think obviously it's close because of what Jake has managed to accomplish in the boxing scene. Um, so uh, but I agree. And, I think. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, I'm I'm talking about. Tommy Fury versus KSI. Obviously oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. KSI yeah, sorry. A-side in that. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, J- uh, KSI is definitely the A-side, without a doubt. Because obviously Tommy Fury has fans, but like not the, not the, to the, anywhere near to the level that JJ does. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to John, John Fury versus KSI. 
I'll be that with you, man. You know what's funny? The other day I was thinking, like, uh, John Fury could easily be a misfit star. Do you know what I mean? Like, just get some of these like older guys in there. Like, with they're trying to push the boundaries now in misfits. Obviously, we saw Boogie and Wings, uh, both like four hundred pound guys, fight each other. I don't think it's that far fetched to suggest that one day John Fury will headline a misfits card. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why not? If you, if you can have four, if you can have four, two four hundred pound guys on the card, then why, why not John Fury? I guarantee. John Fury, John Fury's in the edge then with all different sets, wings and boogie, so why not? Could you imagine? I think that would be such a spectacle. Like, that would go viral. It might not sell, like, stupid pay-per-views, but John Fury headlining a card, I couldn't even imagine who he would fight. But even against anyone, just the idea, the spectacle of John Fury fighting would be, I, like, viral stuff. And and I think, obviously, because it is dad, I think Tyson would be willing to get involved in that. Could you imagine, like, Tyson and Tommy in in in, uh, in John's corner? That would be great. Could you imagine? Wow. I'd I mean, love that. I, I, wish, I, wish, I wish we could have a super card of, of obviously, gay James. JJ and Jay and then Tyson and AJ and a couple of a couple of other fights. I think that would be really cool. But, yeah. But obviously it would never it would it would never happen. And I think people would people would motivate it too much. Yeah. And obviously like, yeah, I agree. You know, people you know, with, with Misfits and all these other promotions now, they want to sort of scatter the big cards. Do you know what I mean? Um, Because they've obviously got a lot of pay-per-views and a lot of um these events to put on. So the likelihood of them putting them all on one big card is, is quite low. I'm thinking of saying this line, if, if JJ loses to Tommy Fury, yeah, like if he, he'd be like, if he gets locked out or TKO, I think Misfits might do with trouble, you know, because we've all due respect to everybody else. That's on me. That's on me. It's still the money. It's still the money. Machinedly. As of right now, absolutely. I feel like they would be in trouble. Um, and that is why it's very important that these, uh, the misfits nurture these, these young stars that are coming up that are able to sell headlines like, you know, get behind the likes of Salt Pappy and people like that, like Deji, these other guys that obviously recently lost Jay Swingler, who was a massive draw. You know what I mean? Like Jay Swingler pulled in all the TGF, the childish fans to come over. Um, they're going to need to be able to encourage these other YouTubers to get involved. And I feel like the only way of really doing that is is making it a little bit more jovial, taking the pressure off, introducing some more of these exciting, like, tag teams and, and building the storylines and things like that. So I think they're doing the right thing, but I agree, like, the the the, the ticking time bomb is the JJ loss, you know? But, but also, I think Miss Fitz needs to tell them, yes, you need to train and take it somewhat seriously to a degree. But you also need to remember, you are at the end of the day, you're supposed to be a content creator or influencer. So you need to, you need to keep... Getting yourself out there, because I feel like I feel like some of these fighters, even though they take it really seriously, which I commend them for, a lot of them forget that they that they need to keep the, that they need to keep themselves in the eyes of the public. Yeah, no, without a doubt, and I feel like that's something that's been uh, the Mams and, and JJ have been very vocal on recently. Like, guys, let's remember, you guys are influencers. It's influencer boxing. You need to make videos. You need to constantly, you, you know, keep people um, entertained with things that you've got going on, so people are going to actually sit and watch your fights. Because we saw what happened with Gabe. I love Gabe, but you know, once the Nunes fight had finished, the Brazilians had all left, and there was about you know a third of the third of the audience still there, and that's probably because of the lack of promotion and things like that. Do you know what we, I mean? So. With all due respect to give to everybody else, if I wanted if I wanted to watch pro but if I wanted to watch pro level boxing, I'd go and watch the pros. If you know what exactly. I mean. And that's what I'm that's what I've always said. Like the skill is not that important. These guys like for instance, I I know I don't know if you watched the prelims, but the first fight on the prelims or one of the first fights was a guy called Udbear versus Korn. And now Korn's a big name on Twitter. I didn't know much about him, but he has like quite a lot of followers. And Unbear is this young guy who um, had like 300 YouTube subscribers and he was relatively unknown, but he 
was um, funny during the press conference. He came dressed as Borat and th- things like that. He he went and like put a poster of the Misfits card in the National Art Museum, made content yeah. around that. The guy I, was promoting himself. Like that's what we need more of: characters, people that people can get behind and you know uh, and enjoy, rather than that these guys that just go off into a room, uh, train boxing for for a few months and then come out and then I've said nothing about the events and do nothing during the fight week. It's, it's... It's difficult, isn't it? Because at the same time, to any degree, you want. Well, I don't. I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak for you, but I want. I want them to take it seriously to a degree. Like, I don't know whether you remember, but on the KSI and Joe Weathercard, there was the guy that adjusted, that adjusted Fortnite dances. Uh, Momo, wasn't it? Yeah, a guy called yeah. Momo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that really, that really pissed me off. And the, so, so I don't, I don't, I don't want things like that. But at the same time, I do think, I do think people need to remember that it is supposed to be entertainment. We're not looking, we're not looking for let's hello. Exactly. And that's the thing, like when people take it too seriously, like I think someone that I wasn't a big fan of that actually um, I've warmed to a lot during this fight week was Anthony Taylor. I used to think he was very cringe. However, this fight week, like he came dressed as James Bond. They had him front and center at the press conference. He was really entertaining. He uh, was, you know, he he made us so much more excited for the Soul Papi fight. Do you know I what lo- I mean? I loved it. I loved it when he won. I, 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 I love it. He got yeah, he was like going crazy on the ropes and things like that. And he was like super excited. You could tell it meant so much to him. And now people are going to be far more excited. Is he the same style level as a Salt Papi? No, but people need more. Uh, we need more people like him in Misfits. And that is imperative to the longevity of it. Because uh, as we said, as we've said, like, you know, the minute JJ loses, you know, things change. Or even even JJ retires. Like, say if JJ keeps winning, beats Jake Paul and does what he says he's going to do and retire after that, then... It's imperative for the likes of Anthony Taylor and the likes of people like that. I mean, no event, no event to keep my slide, Junior or anybody else. But to be to be honest with you, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to see them because uh, until until me speech, I I forgot, I forgot, I forgot that keep my slide, Junior. Yeah, of course. And I mean, obviously, like, you know, he's somebody that's only sort of famous through his dad and things like that. But even still, he wasn't doing much promotion during the week of the fight. Like that Misfit 6 card, there wasn't that many sort of like names that were being really active on social media and things like that and, and getting us excited in, in the same way of promoting. Like pretty much none of them, like JMX wasn't doing any content. Uh, I don't know too much about Livian Bell, but he wasn't. Um and yeah, there wasn't really that many fights on that card. The only person actually that really made a name for themselves was I don't know if you saw Chase Demore who got the disqualification. He's become a bit of a character now. With, with that, with that, with that guy that clearly did not understand when your opponents, when your opponents on the floor stop, stop punching. With that yeah. Guy. Oh. So that was that. That obviously didn't work in his favor because he got. It was intentional. Obviously, he yeah. got disqualified and he got the loss. However, since then on social media, he has been, um, you know, uh, memeing it himself. Like he, um, he's obviously been suspended by Misfits. So during this fight week, he came to London. He was wearing a mustache and he was like, "Oh no, I'm not Chase Demore. I'm Chad Deman or whatever." And uh, it, it works because people like are are getting behind him now. And I guarantee the next time he fights, people are going to be excited for it. So in a way, even though he he did something stupid, did something wrong, uh, got himself a suspension and had to pay a fine or whatever, it's actually worked out for him because it's built his star and, and entertainment quality a bit. I agree that that's uh, at the same time, I can't condone that because he could he could have really messed he could have really messed up his opponent. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, as we said before, skill isn't that important when it comes to the influence of boxing. However, fundamental rules of safety in the boxing ring have to be have to be um, followed at all times, and I agree. Yeah, the, the best build up of the week had to be little little Kim's little Kim's Wow, you know, throwing the fish and she was going crazy the whole time. I know it was really, it was, I was really excited for that fight, but it didn't really turn out to be an amazing fight. Obviously, you know, skill wise, it was never going to be, but I expected little Kimchi to be a little bit more ruthless in that fight, but she was quite apprehensive at times, you know. 
I I I enjoyed the boogie and being swiped for a little better than that better than that one to be honest. And that yeah. first, and that first I was really turned turned off by the boogie and wing fight because I thought it was gonna be I thought it was gonna be two guys walking forward for two seconds and then be being out of breath to be honest. It, I mean, that's the thing. It kind of was that. I mean, Wings was the only one that was throwing punches. I was there ringside, yeah. and I saw as soon as the first punch landed on Boogie's face, his face went red immediately. He clearly hadn't been punched in the face before. And, you know, if you're a guy that's not been punched in the face before, uh, once you get hit a few times, you realise if you're really about it. And Boogie was not about it at all. I get, I get that, but I was really impressed with Wings' hand speed. Obviously, I don't think it would have... I think Wings would have cast out as soon as if the let me tell you lightly, if the referee would let it carry if the referee would have allowed it to carry on. I think I think Wings Wings was gassed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean like I think both of them would have been gassed if we went further into that second round. They both were clearly tired, but the thing is the only person that was taking damage was Boogie because Boogie wasn't yeah, throwing anything. I, it was interesting that the day before I was with some people and they said that the minute this fight ends is when one of them falls over because if one of them fell over, there was no way they're getting up for a 10 count, you know? <laughs> There's no way they could have got up. One minute. I'll probably have down his fingers with that sauce, if you don't mind. Okay. Sorry, mate. No worries. So, uh, so yeah, I, I just want wings. I really good hand speed for his size. I said in my video, obviously, obviously, it's not going to be the next Buddy Pacquiao. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> but for his size, he had some decent and speed. Yeah, he did. Uh, and I was, I was sort of impressed. Was I impressed? I mean, I was impressed at the output. Uh, I need to rewatch the fight. Um, but yeah. All, all I'm going to say is, as somebody that was. As somebody that was dreading it, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I mean, fair dues. I I remember a few weeks ago you said you weren't really interested in the YouTube box and stuff. Could would you consider yourself a fan now, or would you just deal with it? I, it's gonna sound really bad, but I just I just it had a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a laugh to be honest. Listen, yeah. we all should. That's the exact approach that everyone should. People take it too seriously at times. I understand people get passionate about it and stuff, but these guys are literally just YouTubers that are getting in there and trying to put on a show. Even, even, even the fight that I take somewhat seriously, obviously, like the KSI stuff, I can't even, I can't, I can't even take that seriously. To be, to be honest, obviously, I do. Obviously, I do. I don't want really to just laugh at it because that's a bit stupid. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't take it as seriously as I take somebody like John Jones. No, of course, of course, of course. And that's because these guys aren't elite athletes, you know. Some of these guys have only been training for a few weeks, a few months, or, you know, the only the, the top, top guys have only been training for like a few years. So, you know, it's impossible to um to sort of treat it on the same level. Um, but it's a laugh and that's what it is. And people just stop taking it seriously and enjoy it for what it is. And if you, if you do enjoy it and you are entertained by it, then that's great. Continue watching and buy the subscriptions and whatnot. I but mean, people just hate on it for the sake of it. Like, yeah, this is embarrassment to the sport. And it's like, is it though? Like, I don't, I don't know if it even crossover, crossovers to the sport at all. Like it doesn't affect boxing in any way. I see a lot of boxing purists talk about it. Like Nick Pete, for instance, I don't know if you saw his tweet about it. You know, the BT no, sport guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I I have seen a couple of his tweets, but I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen any recent tweets about it. No, what did he say? So basically, he was annoyed that on one of the zone streams they were promoting the KSI Fournier fight coming up, and he said like, you know, this is trash. I don't want to see any of this stuff, and it's a mockery to the sport, or whatever he said. But ultimately, it's clearly not because it, it. What it's doing is it's bringing young eyes to the sport of boxing. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a good thing. There's it's only good that can come from it because misfits aren't going to last forever and the influence of boxing may not even last forever too. But what but boxing will and they'll still be promoting fights in 10, 15 years. And a lot of the fans that are going to be like hardcore boxing fans in 10, 15 years are probably just getting into boxing now watching Boogie and Wings or watching KSR. Do you know what I mean? And not only people uh, that are going to be future fans, but also people that are going to be future fighters. You know what I mean? 
because there's probably so many people, and I hear it all the time, that get into boxing because they watch KSI versus Logan Paul. Do you know what I mean? Because it's become more relatable now. It, I, if you're watching this YouTuber all the time that you've grown up with that's getting in there and boxing, then you kind of feel to yourself, oh, maybe I can do it. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and it I makes love, it less of like a... I love, I love it. And obviously, if you, get, if you go into the gym, I find other guys are all grateful. And then the other, the other couple of the and, and then the person, the person at the head of the gun, or the glass, might say, go, go, go and watch this person, and you, and you might do it. And then, and then you might be called by our Canelo, got the Tito's. Yeah. Like that. yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing like that they're constantly promoting the they are promoting ksi obviously on the canelo shows or whatever shows they are but they're also doing vice versa like if you watch any of the misfits cards like they'll they'll add they'll play ads in between the rounds promoting katie taylor's next fight or promoting ryan garcia's next fight whoever it is because they know that if they keep these people on a subscription-based model like on the zone then they're gonna probably you know be bored on one saturday night there's no misfits or there's no whatever and we'll watch Canelo or watch whatever it is, and the, the fans will convert without a doubt. And, and at the end of that, you know, people like Jake Wood. I don't know, I don't know whether you know who Jake Wood is, but he used to play, he used to play match on his senders. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, I, I find it, I found him really funny because he, he was complaining about it. But Joey Kayasai and Joe, Joe where. Uh, he was, he was all about it, so... That was hilarious. When he was tweeting out saying, oh, yeah, to, to cancel my DAZN subscription because of this KSI YouTube... I'm not watching two YouTubers dance around a ring, like, whatever. And then everyone was tweeting the photos of him literally there ringside at KSI versus Joe Weller. It's like, bro, not only were you there from the start, but you apparently, like, funded and helped put the event together at the Copper Box. So it's like, this is your fault. <laughs> you played a part in this, do you know what I mean? So... It's what it is. People like to hate. People like to feel like they're a bit um above, to, no, you know, um above it. But and nobody has a, a nobody has a consider. You can just watch. There are like, hundreds of fights on the zone. You can just watch one of their fights. You don't, you don't have to watch KSI if you don't watch. Exactly. It's a subscription. It's a subscription-based model with a pay-per-view in there. Whenever KSI fights, you do not need to watch it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going on Twitter complaining about reality TV shows in the States that I'm not watching the Kardashians or whatever because I'm not watching it. Do you know what I mean? It would be completely irrelevant for me to do that. People just like to tweet to make people feel like they are better than um, the YouTube boxing stuff. Yeah. It's a like, load of rubbish. It's like, calm like, down. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be watching Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, can you be honest? I'm completely done with Nate Diaz. I think I think he's a bit of a bell end, <laughs> to be honest. And he's yep, 38 years old. I know. I know. It's another old one for Jake, obviously, another retired but, MMA fighter. Girl, I know. I mean, it's part of the culture. You know, the guy was raised in uh, in, in Stockton, California, and, uh, you know, that's sort of the hood, I, I would I would guess. But... Yeah, but he's he, not the smartest strappers all the time. But he got three kids. I know. Yeah, he's not. He's obviously not a good role model in that way. But yes, he's one of the, obviously he was one of the biggest stars in the UFC, as you know, uh, probably yeah. the second biggest star. And um, if he loses to Jake Paul, like I think actually, you know what's funny? I feel like Nate Diaz going in fighting Jake Paul and losing to Jake Paul is a bigger hit to the UFC than um, Ingarni going to the PFL. Explain that to me. Why do you think that? Because Connor is coming back to the UFC, and obviously Connor's the biggest star, always will be the biggest star, yeah. and they need winnable fights for Connor. Nate Diaz, the trilogy, that is a huge, huge fight. There is not that many fights in the UFC that are like 10 out of 10 star, guaranteed huge pay-per-views than a Nate Diaz versus Connor McGregor fight. But do you, but do you think Nate would come back if he beats? Yeah, no, I don't think he would. I think uh, he would, I think he would see himself as the biggest star in the UFC, to be honest. Uh, listen, as I said, like the, it's a ten out of ten fight. Like the money that they would be able to offer, if 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 Nate does beat Jake, and then the UFC see that, and 
they realize how much money could be made from a Conor McGregor versus uh, Nate Diaz trilogy fight in the UFC, it would be like the amount of money they offer him is like stupid. And the only reason he's out right now is because they probably won't offer him the amount of money that he thought he deserved. That's why he's taking the big bag with Jake. Whatever he's getting from Jake right now, the UFC would probably pay a lot more for him to have the rematch with Conor McGregor if, and this is the important if, he beats Jake Paul. Now, if he loses to Jake Paul, what happens to the stock of that fight? Plummets. And that is why I think it's a bigger loss to the UFC because that 10 out of 10 fight dissipates or it becomes like an 8, 7 uh, out of 10. At, the, at this point, it's one of the biggest fights the UFC can do. But let's be honest, if they fight anybody that takes them down or, or even or even kicks them, I think they're both done. But let's be honest, the, 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 the lead leg on now is like a it's like an open target, isn't it? It's basically mm-hmm. like it's basically like saying, Come and get me basically. Basically, it, yeah. Yeah. It, he hasn't he hasn't evolved with the sport. Exactly. And obviously, like, you know, McGregor's no spring chicken either. And we'll see how he does against Michael Chandler, who's who is a tough fight for him. I do I think, think that he should beat Chandler, but you know, we'll see. I, I think he beats him to be honest. I can definitely see McGregor getting rocked. Well, I thought he was going to beat Poirier handedly. I mean, he did, you know, all those years ago. So that's that's the appeal, isn't it? Like, everyone would love to see the trilogy be settled between uh, Nate Diaz and McGregor. And now, in order for that to be as big as we think it could be, he needs to beat Jake Paul. And if he doesn't beat Jake Paul, it's nowhere near as big and, be- and, and, and damages the stock for the UFC. Be- Before we go, mate, I just want to say, have you, I just want to ask you, sorry, have you, been, have you been watching any of my classic fight reviews? I would re- I would recommend you go back and watch DC versus Jones 1. Okay, cool, yeah. I'll definitely watch them. To be honest, like I, I very rarely go on YouTube now. I'm all about TikTok. I'm scrolling through TikTok. I waste time on TikTok. And I realize the only time that I watch videos is when I'm eating, when I'm like eating and when we're like sat having food and stuff. So I'll, I'll go and check it out for that out. Can I, can I, I, I need to ask you to meet up off camera quickly. So I'll end the recording. Okay. So, so thank, so thank you for watching everyone. And I will speak to you later. Have a good day. See you later.